Cameron DeVazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. We're on our sixth lesson now of this 2022 second quarter, all about the book of Genesis. And the title for this week's study is The Roots of Abraham. Now, uh, it, a thought struck me, Pastor Howard, as I was putting together the talking points for this week, that the talking points can't just say like uh, a phrase. It has right. to be a complete thought with a, a noun and a verb and a subject. And so it, in right. putting we, these together, we, it's easy to be like... no evangelist yeah. titles right. that you are just a halfway clever, phrase, right? Exactly. And you can't just like... It has Abram's to make departure. a point. It has, it has to, to have a point. point. And that's that exactly the issue is that... I think that it's easy to go into Sabbath school classes and you can talk for 30, 40 minutes longer and still not make a point. Okay. Yeah. And here, this, I was thinking about why we do the talking points this way, because if I were doing it at home, I might not even mm-hmm. convey it. But this forces you to say, what is something I'm trying to convey here? And yeah. so we have the talking points. That's not really germane well, we to joke everyone about out there. Yeah. Evangelism, tit- evangelism titles or evangelist titles or even mm-hmm. pastor titles because a pastor will oftentimes have some little title that, like you have a sermon called Lucifer's Lemonade Stand. Yeah. Ooh, what's what's that about? The idea yeah. is to kind of entice somebody like, that's curious. What is he going to talk yeah. about? But that's not the way It's not the same as like drawing out, this is the point. Yeah, this is this is forces us to say, what am I really wanting to get across in the lesson? That's right. And And incidentally... (laughs) Yes, please go ahead. We have done, I just realized that there are probably a number of our viewers, we've done in the the past couple years, different training videos on how to prepare lessons and how to present lessons that some of our more recent viewers may not be aware of, because you can get the recent talking points. So maybe we'll, we'll put a link on the screen here so you can go and find some of those presentations if you want some more direction in putting your lessons together. Probably put the link in the description box on the yes. YouTube channel, which yes. is a very easy way to get talking points. You just subscribe to the Manual Institute YouTube channel and yes. up comes the talking points. Yeah, and I've also added the link to the handout in the YouTube description, which ah. we we haven't done before. So it's a full service is a full service we provide around here, but we but need to get into in. this one. Right. So uh, before we hit those talking points though, could you lead us in a word of prayer and then we'll get into yes. our study. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your word of truth and the spirit of truth that you've given to guide us into an understanding, a practical understanding of your word. We pray now you guide our time together in this presentation, as well as each one of our teachers in the upcoming classes that will be taught, that uh, your word will be presented in such a way as as it will prepare people for the soon coming of Jesus. We ask it in his name. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, let's before we dive into the specific the talking roots points. Roots of Abraham. Yeah, the title, the roots of Abraham, and and it's a bit of a curious title. And and as I was reading through the lesson, it dawned on me after Sabbath afternoon kind of sets the stage that this is not a lesson on everything about Abraham. Right. This is the first portion of a what ends up being a three part. Series so have, yeah. on Abraham, and so you're going to have the roots of Abraham, and then I'm sure the middle part of Abraham's life, and then the conclusion yeah. at the end. And so this is not supposed to be exhaustive about everything you can say about Abraham. You're not going to get in there, which is okay because we've talked about Abraham in three <laughs> of the last four quarterlies. So. Yeah, we Abraham does recurring is a recurring thing when you talk about the covenants. Yeah. You're going to deal with Abraham. Yeah. You talk about Hebrews. Hebrews yeah. Going to have Abraham. Even a little bit of Deuteronomy. Yeah. Abraham, and now of course Genesis. Well, Abraham is foundational, and we're going to see in this three studies because mm-hmm. Paul calls him the father of the faithful. Righteousness yes. by faith is the story of Abraham he uses to illustrate so that. So there's a whole lot folded into the Abraham story. and it gets... So what are our talking points then, Pastor Cameron? Yes. The first talking point is 
Abraham obeyed when God said go. Hmm. We're taking that from Sabbath, Sunday, and Monday, but there's a whole lot in that. It, yeah. it seems like such a simple thing, but there's a lot to unpack. And then talking point number two, Lot was a lot of trouble. <laughs> and that's from Tuesday and Wednesday. But a lot of the first section of Abraham's calling out. Yes, exactly. That's where we're going. But a lot of the first things that Lot had, I mean, that he Abraham kind of was had to deal with. Trouble, he was a lot of trouble. And I'm not, we'll kind of dive into that. Yeah. Lot's a fascinating figure in, in my uh, mm-hmm. study. And then finally, number three, Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. And another fascinating figure is this priest of God and king of Salem who Abram ties to, and that comes all from Thursday. So there's covering three chapters, 12, 13, and 14. So you could, if you want to do your three talking points, draw from 12, draw from 13, draw from 14. Uh, And this kind of doesn't do that, but there's a lot to talk about in this one. Let's go to number one. Abram obeyed when God said go. So we go to Genesis chapter 12, and let's take a look at it. That's pivotal to this lesson. Why don't you read verses one through three. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your, father, from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 4, So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Right. So Abraham obeys when God says go. And, of course, this lesson is chronologically right, you know, contiguous with the previous lesson. Mm-hmm. So the last thing we study in the scripture account is the story of the Tower of Babel and the descendants of those Babel builders. And out of that context, God calls Abram. Now, the lesson brought up that this is the, from Sunday, paragraph one says... The last time God had spoken with a person, at least as recorded in the scripture, it was with Noah to reassure him after the flood that he would establish a covenant with all flesh and that Mm. another worldwide flood would never come. And like God's covenant with Noah, the covenant with Abram involved blessing the whole world. So God had a chosen man for the time of the flood, and now he comes up and he calls Abram for this specific task, which would be the launching point for blessing the whole world, which we know would ultimately be manifest in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. I think it's helpful to note that, you know, when you ask, when you make the talking point, Abraham obeyed when God said go, um, you might stop and consider what are some reasons he might not have obeyed. Mm -hmm. And one of the first is that he was 75 years old. And so in our society, (laughs) you're well into retirement mm-hmm. at that point. You're not going somewhere new. You're settling down somewhere old, right? You've figured, figured the place. So it's much more inconvenient at mm-hmm. that stage in life. And well, then, some some might argue, like, well, this is when the lifespans were really long, but this is post-flood now, and those are yeah. coming back. So he still lives a long time, yeah. but by the time 100 rolls around later, he's going to be laughing at the notion of making yeah. babies. None then, of his yeah. friends are moving anywhere at this exactly. point in time. And uh, in fact, Ellen White says in Patriarchs and Prophets that he couldn't explain his course so as to be understood by his friends. Exactly like, right. what are you doing, you crazy old man? And then know. on top of that, on top of that, it, the, the Bible says right here, we just read it, get out to a land that I will show you, not have shown you. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't even know where he's going yet. Just mm-hmm. that God says, so those are things that, you know, you build on that with the, 
you see that this wasn't an easy thing for him to do. It had to be a, mm-hmm. a strong trust in God that led him. Well, and it's not like he had respond. just been at that other place for a little while, too. The whole genealogy that predicates before the story talks about how long they had been there for generations yes. and how deeply rooted. And so right. they were faithful, but it was mixed with idolatry. And God says, no, we're going to start all clean. Let's go. And he mm-hmm. obeys. And it's powerful. Yes. Now, one of the things that you had brought up last week was... Well, I get the lesson had was that the the Babylon motif, right? Yes. That the Tower of Babel is actually a springboard for the rest of the Bible's invocation of the term Babylon and what right. it means. And here, the lesson brought out how the call of Abraham was a call literally out of Babylon. Yes. And not just literally, but also spiritually out of Babylon. There mm-hmm. was the, uh, the, the the false and the true mingling in the household of Abraham's you know uh, uh, ancestors. And the Babylonian territory where they had built the, the Tower of Babel, all of that he's called out from. And then the lesson brings up this point in Sunday, paragraph four. It says, Abram's departure from Babylon concerns more than his environment or even his family. Abram has to leave himself to get rid of the part of himself that contains his Babylonian past. Mm-hmm. So when God calls him out, he's not just removing geographically or even um, in terms of friendships and society, but personally, there's a spiritual um, renewal that Abram's being called to, to to not be anything related to that anymore and to be a new man in me, right? Right. Uh, why don't you read Patriots and Prophets 126? I have it quoted there in the notes, but this is why it picks up on this idea. The Bible says, In order that God might qualify him for his great work as the keeper of the sacred oracles, Abraham must be separated from the associations of his early life. The influence of kindred and friends would interfere with the training which the Lord purposed to give his servant. Mm-hmm. So again, those influences that were part of his early life, he's now being drawn away from so that he can basically be a new creature in Christ and start a lineage of faith distinct from all others in the world. Now, the lesson highlights this, but doesn't, it isn't real specific about it, but it's interesting in chapter 12 in the first verse, it says... The Lord had said. Yes. So it's past tense. And when you go back, you see kind of two calling outs. First of all, it says in verse 31, Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, Mm -hmm. the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and they went out with them Mm -hmm. from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. They dwelt in Haran. So there they came out of Babylon, but Abraham was living with his father. Well, also came, they were headed to Canaan, but they only made it to Haran. Mm -hmm. And so they they were in the direction of coming out, but not fully, you know. Right. And so it says that they stayed there um, until uh, Terah died. Mm-hmm. And then it says, now the Lord had said, get out of your country from your family, from your father's house. And the lesson is intimating that once that had happened, he was to continue that journey exactly. apart from and cutting So there's already a, a call family. to move, and they had moved to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. But Abraham's like, no. You need to go away from the whole household, from the family, and keep going to Canaan. I guess I think of that specifically for myself because I remember when I became a Christian, I had to make certain decisions and came out from certain practices and mm. pastimes and what have you. But the, but I had always grown up around my family. And even though some of my family became Christian the same time I did, not all were. And I remember when God called me into ministry, 
I started, I went to do Bible work somewhere and it was the first time I'd ever been away from my family. Mm. And I remember the feeling of, and I've read that story and just this quote that you shared that he had to be separated from associations of his early life. And I see how God used that in my experience. And I've encountered as a pastor, many people who have had to come out and take those steps Mm. Uh, until they did, they couldn't get clear of certain things. You know, it's like, oh, pastor, I'm struggling. I'm not. And then it's like, you need to. (laughs) You need to come all the way out. out. Yes, right. And uh, it, it can be a painful thing, but the Lord doesn't, you don't do it by yourself. The Lord goes with you, and he fought, went with Abraham, and it became a blessing. And, of course, I didn't cut ties, complete ties with those family members forever, but the Lord used that experience to help me to depend on him more. So, Amen. Well, and there's a reason why that coming out of Babylon, mm-hmm. or that from Ur of the Chaldees, you know, as we have it in the text, yes. becomes a metaphor for that separation of God's mm-hmm. distinct people from the associations of the worldly around them throughout the rest of the Bible. The rest right. of the Old Testament, Isaiah 48, you know, um, verse 20 talks about come out of Babylon. Yes. And of course, most famously in Revelation chapter 18, there's this call of God in the end time to come out of Babylon. And it's not, um, it's, it's for the redemption of the person being called out so that they can minister also to others and call out. Like, it's not just to get away and be, those are bad people, but I need to use you to call out other people. And so God is calling out Abram here to be a blessing as the call says to the rest of the world. So it's a really, it's really a foundational concept here in the story that's found recurring in the Bible. But anyway, so as Abraham goes out, as God said, he obeyed. However, on uh, Tuesdays, uh, I think it's Mondays, I'm sorry, kind of refers to, and we're not going to dive too much into it now except to overview it, but as he gets to the land of Canaan, there's a famine in the land, and the first thing he does is turn right around and go back to Egypt. And so there, and God doesn't say go to Egypt, he just kind of does. And then when he gets to Egypt, he has this half-truth, as the Bible calls it, which seems in my book to be a full lie, uh, about his wife, his relationship, because of his fear and and then, as they come out, God miraculously saves them from the um, from the destruction of the king who would right. otherwise kill them. And then they come out, and they've got loaded up with livestock, which mm-hmm. now prefigures some big trouble to come. Mm-hmm. And then God finally talks to him again. It's like, here we go. And he, so it's basically like the Egypt experience was a detour that had to reveal some flat spots in the character that needed to be worked out. If you're going to be the right. father of the faithful. You got to work out some of this stuff. So there, there is a development of the character of Abraham that I'm glad that the Scripture records for us. Yeah. In fact, why don't you? Yes. Yeah. And the lesson includes part of this. Uh, page 130. It says, during his stay in Egypt, Abraham gave evidence that he was not free from human weakness and imperfection. In concealing the fact that Sarah was his wife, he betrayed a distrust of the divine care, a lack of the lofty faith and courage so often and nobly exemplified in his life. Mm -hmm. And so, and the lesson brings out the point that this seems to be one of those times where Abraham, instead of trusting fully to God like a faithful man would, he starts to rely on, well, I need to get to Egypt, I need to lie, I need to do this, and it's a... It's a relinquishing of faith. It's a, it's a flat spot, but the Lord works through it. Well, it's and brings interesting that when the Apostle Paul talks about Abraham in Romans four, and he says he did not waver at the promise through unbelief, and and I know I've wrestled, and other people are like, well, wait a minute, he That's wavered all the time. But is, yeah. I found an interesting statement. I don't have it referenced here, where Ellen White makes the point that he never questioned that God was going to fulfill his promise and make him a great nation, despite mm-hmm. the fact he couldn't see it. He didn't waver at that. Right. So these things were not what the Bible would call wavering. It. He believed God's promise. But he didn't know how God was going to accomplish it. And many times 
you see Abraham thinking he's got to do a little bit to help God out. Exactly. And so he's so, never in full out apostasy or something like that. Right. He's just trying to like work and with them in a way. And how many of our Christian lives are? It's mm. not that a person doesn't ha- doesn't have any faith whatsoever in God, but we haven't learned what trust is about yet. And so it's like he's not apostate. And there, how many times in your life have you gone about and you're going to help God out? Yeah. You haven't given up hope, faith in God, but you haven't realized what it means to trust him either. Well, and, so and that's, honestly, that's really, I'm guessing, what we're going to go in the next couple of lessons and see the arc of Abraham's yes. story goes like he was faithful enough to leave. But not until Genesis 22 does God say, now I know that you can be trusted all along the way, whether it's the Egypt thing or the Hagar thing. There's some well, sort of way that... Which demonstrates if the Apostle Paul is using Abraham as an example of righteousness by faith, it, ex- it exemplifies that righteousness by faith is a journey, not an event. Amen. It's not a one-time, hey, I've been saved and I've got this and it's all... No, it's a journey and it's an experience you go through and we'll see more. Well, about. speaking of those experiences in the journey... Let's go to talk point number two, where a lot was a lot of trouble. Oh, yes. And really, I have struggled with the, <laughs> with the character of Lot, not his character, but him being a person in the story at all. Because you see in Genesis 12 there, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, yeah. which was, get out of your country, from your family, your father's household. And then it says, comma, and Lot went with him. Uh-huh. It's like, well, he's part of the father's house. And, and it doesn't say that he called on Lot to come. It just seems like Lot tagged along. Sister White brings this up. It says, besides Sarah, this is Patriots and Prophets 127, the wife of Abraham, only Lot, the son of Haran, long since dead, chose to share the patriarch's pilgrim life. So clearly there was some righteousness. In fact, the Bible refers mm-hmm. to him as righteous Lot. Yes. Okay. And so there was, he, he was a kindred spirit with Abraham to a certain extent, and he desires that pilgrim life. He probably means well, initially at least, but here he is going along, and it seems to be, my, my reading of it, a certain extent of a violation of the very thing, go out and leave your household, and mm-hmm. then Lot comes along. But maybe it was part of God's plan, but the next thing you see is a litany of issues that are connected with lot. I've got them listed out here, but for instance, the discord with Abram's herdsmen was due to the conflict with Lot's flocks and herdsmen. So when they come up out of the Egypt thing, now they're wealthier than ever, including Lot's household, and they can't, the land right. won't support them. They've got to fight it out. They don't have to fight it out, but that's what happens. Sure. So if Lot's people weren't there, that wouldn't have happened. Okay. Then the next thing, when, when graciously offered his choice of the land, Lot chose the apparent best for himself. Mm-hmm. Sister White brings out the fact that Abraham was superior in age and in experience mm-hmm. and his calling from God and even common courtesy would have heard say, no, 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 you take the best. But Abraham's kind and he offers and Lot just says, okay. And well, he, <laughs> in Lot's defense, Abraham probably wouldn't have taken that land. Well, that's Stop. true. Well, that's why I put in the lesson, the apparent better. The, yes. the land physically might have been better, but spiritually was a, a Well, you certainly mess. see an immaturity. Maybe, maybe Lot was along the lines of a of a John Mark, right? Where okay. he was young and, and the Apostle Paul's like, I can't deal with this. And maybe, you know, <laughs> Go with somebody else. Um, he certainly was obviously younger than Abraham and without that same experience. Well, uh, and we haven't even gotten have, to the Sodom right. and Gomorrah thing yet. Yeah, right. But um, Lot got, did get caught up after he moved down to the land, that beautiful land, right? But he pitched his tits near, near and Sodom. And kidnapped. And then he gets kidnapped and the whole war, and then Abraham has to go rescue him back and... Like, You'd think that would be the point for Lot to say, you know what, I'm moving out of this place. Right, you would think, but later on he's there and Abram's dealing. And here Abram's waiting to make this great nation and he's spending his time bailing out Lot all the time and dealing uh, with him. So it's just fascinating to me. And why don't you read what the quarterly adds, Tuesday, paragraph four. Sure. 
It is only when Abraham it is only when Abram separates from Lot that God speaks to him again, Genesis 13:14. In fact, this was the first recorded time in the Bible that God speaks to Abram since his call at Ur. So I I don't know what the lesson exactly was trying to bring out of that, but it does seem to be that God called Abram and all this yeah. time he's dealing with Lot and God doesn't talk to him again until he separates from Lot. It's yeah, just interesting. I, I, that's a narrative I wouldn't push. The lesson may be pushing there that to imply it because God had been with Abraham sure. through that whole experience, the, the capture, the conquest of the kings and all that business, the rescue of Lot and his family. God's the one that strengthened him and his 300 men. Sure. So to imply that God kind of turned his back on Abram until Lot was... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's, I that's wouldn't a, read that far into it either. Yes. But I do think it's an interesting point to bring out that, as a talking point, say that Lot was a lot of trouble for Abraham. Mm-hmm. Perhaps, now, perhaps the Lord knew that Abram couldn't go to the next step he wanted him to go until that parting took place. So. Exactly. So we have, anyway, so as we're going through the Egypt issues and then the Lot issues, Abraham's struggling, right? And, and Those are a lot of issues. <laughs> those are a lot of issues. Which brings us to our third thing, which I think is fascinating, the introduction to Melchizedek. Abram tithe to Melchizedek. Mm-hmm. At the end of the rescuing of Lot saga... The kings of Sodom went out to meet Abram and really were quite, how do I say this? They were very impressed with Abram, Mm -hmm. where before, Sister White brings out the fact that they had ridiculed him, that he was peculiar. You know, I don't know. You know, we know a little bit of the Canaanites and the whole violence and brutality and Mm -hmm. you, you you weren't put in some cushy American jail cell. Right. Right? Yeah. Uh, when you became a prisoner, who knows what that entailed? Right. I'm sure they were happy that they got rescued. They probably had a whole different view of Abraham. Exactly. So He's this guy who lived up in the them. hills and was just sheep herd, right. all of a sudden he comes down when it's time to do business and he doesn't take it, but he's got a target with Lot and he goes and rescues him. And however he did it, it was impressive to those other kings and they want to enrich Abram and show their gratitude. And Abram says, I want nothing to do with you guys, essentially. But there's one king he does have something to do with. And we can read about it. Why don't you read Genesis 15, uh, 8 through 20. 18, I'm sorry, through 20. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. I'm sorry, Genesis 14, 18 18 through 15. Uh, (laughs) We're going to get this right. 18 through 20. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God, Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God, Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. Mm. Now, this Melchizedek figure is, we've already Mm. studied, by the way, him in Hebrews, as also, but clearly he comes out of basically nowhere. Yeah. And he shows up with this title, King of Salem, and Priest of God Most High. Salem was a literal place, but the word Salem means peace, which is interesting. And, of course, that was where Jerusalem was established. But he's a king, and he's also a priest at the same time, which all the typology we just studied. Exactly, exactly. And he brings out bread and wine, which are the two figures, the emblems (laughs) of Christ, right? And he gives a blessing, Uh, and he blesses Abraham in the name of God Most High, possessor mm -hmm. of heaven and earth, Mm -hmm. which is why, by the way, we do tithe to the Lord, Mm -hmm. because all the world is his, right? And he's delivered your enemies into your hands. So there's no... Genesis has gone to great lengths. Genesis 5 and, and 
later, the, the genealogies yes. and stuff. Right. But here's this key character nothing. shows up nothing. There's no there's no uh, genealogy going forward, and there's no heritage coming after. And it's just a really fascinating thing. Now, people have been so stirred by this that there have been suspicions that maybe this was a pre-incarnate Christ mm -hmm. coming down to reveal itself, or the Holy Spirit, or, or some exactly of uh, theories about that. It was. It's interesting. Sister White kind of crushes all of those, and she says that it wasn't Jesus. But look at the striking parallels to Jesus. Right? We've already mentioned some. There's no lineage or posterity mentioned. Right. Okay. So he, um, in that sense prefigures an eternal being, yes. that he doesn't have a human lineage, okay? He functions as both priest and king of Salem, which would later be Jerusalem, mm -hmm. which you got to read Patriots and Prophets, page 703, talks about that. And it's a really interesting thing how Jerusalem was established, yeah. and that's the very spot where Melchizedek was. You know, like, mm -hmm. like, it's a, And, of course, that's where the throne room right. of Jesus is going to be, or the uh, But as I said, Salem means peace. peace. A king, by definition, is... Uh, king of justice, so you have a blending of justice and peace, or justice and right. mercy. And Jesus, of course, this. is the Prince of Peace, yep. right? And he serves bread and wine, which are emblems of Christ's sacrifice, his blood, body, blood, and Abram ties to him as a representative of God, the possessor of heaven and earth. There's so many ways you could say, like, well, it's totally mm. like Jesus, but look what we read in uh, SDA Bible Commentary, page 1093. Sure, it was Christ that spoke through Melchizedek. Christ that spoke through Melchizedek. Be careful, yeah, exactly. The priest of the Most High God. The Melchizedek was not Christ, but he was the voice of God in the world, the representative of the Father. And all through the generations of the past, Christ has spoken. Christ has led his people, and he has been the light of the world. When God chose Abraham as a representative of his truth, he took him out of his country and away from his kindred and set him apart. He desired to mold him after his own model. So... She clearly says Melchizedek was not Christ, mm -hmm. but that Christ spoke through Melchizedek. Mm -hmm. So in a very real sense, this was God communicating to Abram. And I have to imagine all of those arraigned at this, yes. you know, tri not tribunal, but basically the end of this battle to demonstrate there's these other kings over here. But there's the true king of peace, the most high mm -hmm. God, the possessor. And think about that, the possessor of heaven and earth. They're talking about the possession of the land yes. down here in Shinar, wherever, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah. And here we have the true God steps in with his representative and it prefigures Christ, most certainly. And it was a voice of God at that time, which had to truly buoy the spirits of Abraham, be a reassuring thing. And you can see the gratitude and... Um, how do we say this? The faithfulness, the fidelity of Abraham to God right. is evidenced in his tithing to him. Absolutely. And we don't get into that in this lesson, but clearly the way that we handle our own possessions now is a reflection of who we truly care well, about. Ironically, I was just reading in uh, worship, in fact, right here in the office, somebody presented a, the chapter in Christ Object Lessons on um, uh, the chapter on prayer, asking to give. And then I was going through that with my family in worship, and Ellen White makes a point in there that one of the conditions for prayer is faithful giving and returning of tithes and offerings. Mm. And that she says many prayers that aren't answered may very well be because of unfaithfulness in that area. In wow. other words, there are conditions 
upon God answering our prayers. We have to be obedient to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, excellent chapter I'd recommend reading. But to your point there, and we see an example here. Why is this in the scripture? Because this is an important and Abraham's giving that model. This is important to God. Not that God needs money, but it's that trust. It's another evidence of our trust mm-hmm. in him for being the provider and the owner of all things. Mm. Well, there's a lot of good quality stuff in this lesson, but I want to get to the concluding paragraph. It's from Friday, paragraph one, and it's also found in Reflecting Christ, uh, page 101. It says, when the Lord chose Abraham, it was not simply to be the special friend of God, but to be a medium of the precious and peculiar privileges the Lord desired to bestow upon the nations. He was to be a light amid the moral darkness of his surroundings. Mm. So God is working through Abram to recreate in him his image so that he can be a light in the darkness. Absolutely. So a lot of cover, and I, I, just, I promise the Lord is going to bless these studies this week if we devote ourselves to him. So Pastor Mark, could you give us a word of prayer? Absolutely. Father in heaven, we just thank you for the story we have, the record we have of Abraham and his faithfulness to you in all things. And uh, his example to the surrounding nations, Lord, may that inspire us to be faithful in all things and be that example in these last days to the surrounding nations, that people would hear the way of salvation through us and see our commitment to you and learn to know the God of heaven, the possessor of all things, uh, and the giver of every good gift. We thank you now, Lord, for hearing and answering our prayer, for we pray it in the name of Jesus, for his sake. Amen.